0: To take your one hand, put it on your ear; the other hand on your eye. Father, let every ear be open to hear, or let every eye be open to see all that you have. For us today, we pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said, "Amen." I want to read a passage of scripture. Now you notice in the bulletin we finished up on the book of Acts which was a a two-and-a-half-year journey through the book of Acts, verse by verse. Next Sunday, we're going to be starting on the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. But go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and I want to read from verse 14. I've titled this message, uh, What Do You Seek? What do you see? He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. May he grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Everybody say wisdom Wisdom. and revelation of insights into the mysteries and secrets and the deep and intimate knowledge of him by having the eyes of your heart or your understanding flooded with light so that you can know and understand and understand the hope to which he has called you, which is the reason why you're here, that we can help you by the Spirit of God to find the hope to which he has called you. Because the enemy has a plan for each person, but God has a plan for each person. Our job is to engage you unengage you from the devil's plan, and engage you into heaven's plan. Can you say amen? And how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints he set apart once, and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable, and we say immeasurable, unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and us for us who believe, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him on the right hand in heavenly places. So, what he's saying is what you see, what took place in Christ when he raised him from the dead is what he's doing in you. Somebody said, Pastor, I, I don't really feel that. Once again, I didn't write this. I'm just reading it to you far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and this world, but also in the age and the world which are to come. And then I love this verse which says he's put all things under his feet and has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercised throughout the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. Now, one of the things that will come by way of revelation to you and we talked about it last Sunday night, and I'll get into some things tonight, that when God floods you with himself, everything changes. You you see everything differently. When you get with people and you talk to them and you find out what is their conversation, you see what they see. Because many people are saying what they are seeing. Their speech is a result of what's already there. And a lot of what is there is lies. Because a lot of what is there is the thoughts that have come to their mind that they espoused. They spoke those thoughts out. And as they spoke those thoughts out, those things begin to happen. And they said, oh, what I'm saying is actually coming to pass. That's why the Bible is so plain when it says, death and life and the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. That's why you have to be careful what you're putting in. The Bible says, take heed what you hear. And you have gotta be careful what you're putting into your heart and what you are talking about because that's what you're gonna end up seeing, which as I've been going back through the archives, what shocked me was what I saw even in 2001 and 2002 that here we are all these years later as a result of what's been spoken from this pulpit Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. So somebody said, I don't like what I'm seeing. Then you have to change the view. And the only way for you to change the view is to have the Holy Spirit come and really impact you, impact your mind, your heart, to where you begin to see everything the way God sees it. So watch this. If he has raised us up together with Christ in heavenly places, don't you think that seated with him in heavenly places, you would view everything differently? Because all things are under Jesus' feet. So if all things are under Jesus' feet, then they're all under your feet. The moment you go up to a higher place, you get a different vantage point. We've got a, a lift out there. That lift is used to go up so they can clean the fans and clean and do all kinds of stuff up in the ceiling. But when you get up on that lift, you see things differently, even the boom camera the boom camera is giving us a different view of what's going on here. When you're down here, you see from a certain vantage point, but when God lifts you up and you see with Christ in heavenly places, you see everything differently. Somebody says, oh, it's really bad down here. But, yeah, I know, but from my vantage point, it looks a little different. And so that's why it's gonna take people of faith, people full of the Holy Ghost, Speaking from heaven's perspective, speaking from heaven's point of view and talking that out, speaking it to your wife, your children, your your family, your business, everywhere you are, because they're going to come at you with everything that is the lies of the devil, all the negativity. And they want you to get an agreement with them. So when you get an agreement with them, then basically you end up entering into what they see is what you see. But you're the one that draws the line in the sand and say, absolutely not. Amen. I know you see it that way, but I see things differently. Amen. I see it from heaven's perspective. Now, I want to read to you something that is from William Booth. How many have heard of William Booth? William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army, and uh, you see Salvation Army these days, of course they still run around with a little bell and whatever, but William Booth never had a bell or the little bucket or any of that stuff. He was actually a very happy person and had a lot of joy in his meetings. People would fall under the power, under the joy. They would laugh in William Booth's meetings. Somebody said, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, that's what happened. But this is so powerful. So it's, it's what's called his vision of the lost. So you think of somebody who had a vision for the lost. So somebody said, well, why does that person go at the pace they're going? and Why do they run at the pace they're going? and why, why is that what's on their lips all the time? It's because that's what they see. So he says this, on one of my recent journeys, as I gazed from the coach window, I was led into a train of thought concerning the conditions of the multitudes around me. They were living carelessly in most open and shameless rebellion against God without a thought for the eternal welfare. As I looked out the window, I seemed to see them all, millions of people around me given up to their drink and their pleasure, their dancing and their music, their business and their anxieties. Which if you look, that's what's happening in the city of Tampa today. Their politics and their troubles. Ignorant, willfully ignorant in many cases and in other instances knowing all about the truth and not caring at all. But all of them, the whole mass of them sweeping on and up in their blasphemies and devilries to the throne of God. While my mind was thus engaged, I had a vision." So this was an open vision that he had. Which I think is very appropriate even today in America and what we've just come through with COVID and the state of the church in America today. I saw a dark and stormy ocean, over it the black clouds hung heavily through them, and every now and then the vivid lightning flashed and the thunder rolled, while the winds moaned and the waves rose and formed, and foamed, towered and broke, only to rise and foam, tower and break again. In the ocean I thought I saw myriads of poor human beings being plunging and floating, shouting and shrieking, cursing and struggling and drowning. And as they cursed and screamed, they rose and shrieked again. And some sank to rise no more. And I saw out of this dark and angry ocean a mighty rock that rose up with its summit towering high above the black clouds that overhung the stormy sea. And all around the base of the great rock I saw a vast platform. Under the platform I saw with delight a number of poor, struggling drowning wretches continually climbing out of the angry ocean and I saw that a few of those that were really safe on the platform were helping the poor creatures still in the angry waters to reach the place of safety and looking on more closely I found that a number of those who'd been rescued industriously working and scheming by ladders, ropes and boats and other means more effective to deliver the poor struggling stragglers out of the sea. Here and there, there were some who actually jumped to the water regardless of the consequences in their passion to rescue the perishing. And I hardly know which gladdened me the most, the sight of the poor drowning people climbing on the rocks, reaching the place of safety, or the devotion and self-sacrifice of those whose whole being was wrapped up in the effort of their deliverance. As I looked on, I saw that the occupants of the platforms were quite a mixed company. That is, they were divided into different sets or classes, and they occupied themselves with different pleasures and employments, but only a few of them seemed to make it their business to get the people out of the sea. But what puzzled me the most was the fact that though all of them had been rescued at one time or another from the ocean, nearly everyone seemed to have forgotten all about it. Anyway, it seemed that the memory of its darkness and the danger no longer troubled them at all. And what seemed equally strange and perplexing to me was that the people did not even seem to have any care. That is, any agonizing care about the poor perishing ones who were struggling and drowning right before their very eyes. Many of whom were their own husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, and even their own children. Now this astonishing unconcern could, have not, could not have been the result of ignorance or lack of knowledge because they lived right there in full sight of it all and even talked about it sometimes. Many even went to regularly to hear lectures and sermons in which an awful state of the poor drowning creatures were described. I've always said that the occupants of the platform were engaged in different pursuits and pastimes. Some of them were absorbed in day and night trading and business in order to make gain, storing up their savings in boxes, safes and the likes. Many spend their time in amusing themselves with growing flowers on the side of the rock. Others in painting pieces of cloth or in playing music or dressing themselves up in different styles and walking around to be admired. Some occupied themselves chiefly in eating and drinking, others were taken up with arguing about the poor drowning creatures that had already been rescued. So now they're fighting about the rescued on the platform. But the thing that seemed to be the most amazing was that those on the platform to whom he called, who heard his voice and felt that they ought to obey it, at least they said they did, those who confessed to love him much were in full sympathy with him and the task he had undertaken, Who worshiped him or who professed to do so were so taken up with their trades and profession, their money, saving and pleasures, their family and circles, their religion and arguments about it and their preparation for going to the mainland that they did not listen to the cry that came from this wonderful being who had himself gone down into the sea. Anyway, if they heard, it did not he- they did not heed. They did not care, and so the multitude went right on before them, struggling, shrieking, and drowning in the darkness. And then I saw something that seemed to be even more strange than anything that had gone on before this strange vision. I saw that some of these people on the platform, whom this wonderful being had called to, wanting them to come and help him in the difficult task of saving these perishing creatures, were always praying and crying out to him to come to them. Some wanted him to come and stay with them and spend his time and strength in making them happier others wanted him to come and take away various doubts and misgivings that they had concerning the truth of some of the letters that he had written to them some wanted him to come and make them feel more secure upon the rock so secure that they would be quite sure that they would never slip off again into the ocean numbers of others wanted him to make them feel quite certain that they would really get off the rock onto the mainland someday because as a matter of fact, it was well known that some had walked so carelessly as to lose their footing and had fallen back into the stormy waters. So these people used to meet and get up on a high rock as they could and looking down towards the mainland where they thought the great being was, they would cry, come to us, come help us. And all the while he was down by his spirit among the poor, struggling, drowning creatures in the angry deep with his arms around them trying to drag them out and looking up oh so longingly but all in vain to those on the rock, crying to them with his voice hoarse from calling, come to me, come and help me. And then I understood it was plain enough to see. The sea was the ocean of life. The sea of real, actual human existence. That lightning was the gleaming and piercing truth coming from the, the Jehovah's throne. The thunder was the distance echoing of the wrath of God. These multitudes of people shrieking, struggling, and agonizing in the stormy sea. with the thousands upon thousands of poor harlots and harlot makers of drunkards and drunkard makers of thieves, liars, and blasphemers, and the ungodly people of every kindred, tongue, and nation. Oh, what a black sea it was, and oh, what multitudes of rich and poor, ignorant and educated were there. They were all so unlike in their outward circumstances and condition, yet all alike in one thing, all sinners before God, all held by and holding on to some iniquity, fascinated by some idol, and slaves to some devilish lust, and ruled by the foul fiend from the bottomless pit. All alike in one thing. No, all alike in two things. Not only the same in their wickedness, but unless rescued, the same in sinking, sinking down, down into the terrible doom. The great sheltering rock represented Calvary, the place where Jesus had died for them, and the people on it were those who had been rescued. The way they were used to use their energies, their gifts, and time represented the occupations and amusements of those who professed to be saved from sin and hell. Followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, the handful of fierce determined ones who were risking their own lives in saving the perishing were true soldiers of the cross of Jesus. The mighty being who was called to them from the midst of the angry waters was the son of God. The same yesterday, today, and forever, who is still struggling and interceding to save the dying multitudes about us from this terrible doom of damnation and his voice can be heard above the music the machinery the noise of life calling on the rescue to come and help save the world my friends in Christ you are rescued from the waters you're upon the rock he's in the dark sea calling you to come and help him will you go look for yourselves the surging sea of life crowded with perishing multitudes, rolls up to the very spot on which you stand. Leaving the vision, I now come to speak of a fact. A fact that it is real as the Bible, as real as Christ who hung on the cross, as real as the judgment day will be, as real as there's a heaven and a hell that will follow. Look, don't be deceived by appearances. Men and things are not what they seem. All who are are not on the rock are in the sea. Look at them from the standpoint of the great white throne, and what a sight you have. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, through his Holy Spirit in the midst of this dying multitude, struggling to save them, and he's calling on you to jump into the sea, to go right away to his side and help him in the holy strife. Will you jump? That is, will you go to his feet and place yourself absolutely at his disposal? A young Christian once came up to me And told me that for some time she had been giving the Lord her profession and prayers and money. But now she wanted to give him her life. She wanted to go right into the fight. In other words, she wanted to go to his assistance in the sea. And when a man from the shore seeing another struggling in the water takes off those outer garments that would hinder his efforts. And leaps to the rescue. So you will no longer. So you who still linger on the bank thinking and singing and praying about the poor perishing souls. Lay aside your shame, your pride, your cares about other people's opinions, your love of ease and all selfish loves that have kept you back for so long and rush to the rescue of this multitude of dying men and women. Does the surging sea look dark and dangerous? Unquestionably it is. There's no doubt that that the leap for you As for everyone else who takes it, means difficulty and scorn and even suffering. For you, it may mean more. It may even mean death. He who beckons you from the sea, however, knows what it will mean. And knowing he still calls you and bids you to come. You must do it. You cannot hold back. You've enjoyed yourself in Christianity for too long. And I'm speaking to the American church right now. You've had pleasant feelings, pleasant songs, pleasant meetings, pleasant prospects and there's been much human happiness, much clapping of hands, shouting of praises, very much heaven on earth. Now then, in the light of this, go to God and tell him that you prepared as much as necessary to turn your back upon it all and that you're willing to spend the rest of your days struggling in the midst of those perishing multitudes, whatever it may cost you. You must do it with the light that is now broken in upon your minds and the call that is now sounding in your ears and the beckoning hands that are now before your eyes. You have no alternative but to go down among the perishing crowds, it is your duty. Your happiness from now on will consist in sharing their misery, your ease in sharing their pain, your crown in helping them bear their cross and your heaven in going into the very jaws of hell to rescue them. Now what will you do? So this was the vision that he had that propelled the Salvation Army into what it became. The Salvation Army today is nothing like what he started. I'm not saying they're not doing some good works, but they are nothing. You cannot even compare them with what was originally founded. Somebody said, but pastor, that's a radical vision. It is. But you will see every person that God has called, that God has anointed. It's like somebody said, man, if I get into their world, that's all they see. But that is all they see. Once you have an encounter with God and God begins to speak to you and you begin to hear the cry of the lost and you hear a hurting humanity, there's nothing that allows you to sit by. When you see the earth, when you see nations, when you see cities, towns, and villages, when you see people of every tribe and tongue all bound by sin, and you already know that you have the solution, and His name is Jesus, then what you see, you see the solution, the solution to the problems facing the nations of the earth, the solutions that are facing Europe right now. The solutions facing the continent of Africa right now. The solutions facing America right now and Central and South America and Asia and all even the islands of the sea. Once you have found the truth and you've experienced that, then no longer are you looking to be rescued anymore No longer are you asking him, please, can you come near, make me just feel. You already know how to activate that anointing. You already know how to live in it. So while you are rescuing people that are struggling, you are still feasting of that banquet table of the Lord. You're still drinking of that living water. You're still drinking of that new wine. And as you're plucking them out of that bondage of sin, It explodes on the inside. He did it again, and he's done it again, and he's doing it again. And the testimonies fire you up. Every testimony of someone that's been saved, that has been delivered from the powers of darkness, just ignites you into mobilizing you to keep moving and keep doing what God's called you to do, regardless of the circumstances. And for some, maybe you're not going to be tortured you know, or thrown into prison, but you will be attacked. You'll be mercilessly attacked on the internet or through the printed page or even from other ministers fighting on the platform about the newfound believers that they're not really sure if they really are saved. Are you with me? Because they didn't come to that believer's little huddle to get that believer's little nod of approval. You have to go deaf. To all of these things you have to block your ears you can't be swayed by these things you have to hear the voice of the spirit of god and jesus said my sheep know my voice the voice of a stranger they will not follow and i want to share this word with the river church here today because i'm not saying that you haven't heard there's nobody here that's committed member of the river tampa bay church that doesn't feel exactly what I'm talking about here today. There's not any committed River member that's not a soul winner. That's not a person that's praying, that's reaching out to a lost and dying world. But we are not just here by ourselves. People are watching around the world by way of television right now. And there are ministers that are watching. And I'm challenging everybody. Time is very short. Jesus is coming very, very soon and we have to be mobilized. Somebody said, well, you do need to rest. Yeah, I will. But there's an urgency in my spirit. We've got to bring in this harvest. He is coming very, very soon. And we have to work while it is still day because the night is coming when we will not be able to work. Can you say amen? a lost and dying world must know that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus delivers, Jesus sets free, and he's coming very, very soon. Not only must they know that, they must experience his power. For many in the past have gone forth with the message, but they did not have the power of the Holy Spirit. And even some in relationship to what I just read about even though he had an encounter with god many others that came on after him did not have it and that's why the organization lost what it originally had and i'm just letting you know without the power of the holy spirit without you walking in the power of the spirit you will not be able to accomplish all that heaven has can you say amen hallelujah but thank God we are not without his power. We are not without his anointing. We have his power. We have his anointing and he's given to us, he's given to us an unlimited supply. Unlimited supply of his presence. His touch, his anointing, his fire. I feel that right now. Sweeping this field right now. Now let me just say this to you because somebody said, well, I'm just jumping into the waters to go save as many people. Um, I can tell you how to do it. I found the best way of winning people to Jesus. You don't have to just jump in by yourself. We can show you how to do that. We've had many people over the years come here and they heard one message I preached. Pastor, I'm going. I said, look, you're not really... Well, I'm going right now. Look, just stick around at least for one year. Let me put some things on the inside of you Oh, no, no, I'm going. They go out. Gone. And I thought, boy, if I only had the time just to talk to them, we could have shown them another way of doing it. You don't save four people while you drown yourself. Hello. Are you with me? What kind of a life, uh, what do they call them, life? Um, Gods, what, what kind of a lifeguard? Every time a lifeguard jumped into the ocean to save somebody, he drowned himself. Hello. Somebody said, We need new lifeguards. Why? Uh, I, I, I had ten lifeguards. They all everyone fished people out of the waters and they all drowned. The people were saved, but the lifeguard drowned. I mean, I don't see what Booth saw. I'm going to run the Salvation Army. Are you with me? Because there's certain equipment that Jesus has given to us to use. So you don't drown. What good is it? You go witnessing in a bar. And then they carry you out drunk. (laughs) So we said, what happened? Well, Pastor, I went to go and obey the Great Commission. And I was down in Ybor City. And and, and there was a bar. And I went in there. And I was testifying. And they they said, just have one. And uh, they said, I thought it was okay,' And I drank. and, And then they gave me another one. And I drank some more, Pastor. And then I was... I just remember I was standing on the top of the table, singing at the top of my lungs. (laughs) That's a classic example of somebody that basically drowned themselves. So as I share this here today, it's not because we're not saying, you're not doing this. We, I just want you to know, I'm not gonna stand and argue with people on the platform about what method we are using to get people saved. So I just got news for you. Somebody said, well, we'd like to talk to you about the method of evangelism using. Excuse me, I'm too busy rec- rescuing people. Sorry, sorry, can't talk. Sorry, I'm busy. I'm busy. We're winning souls. Well, I'd like to sit down with you and have a discussion. Sorry. Sorry, too busy. Grab one of those life preservers and come help me as we pull people out, but I'm too busy. Too busy. Somebody said, well, you need to give a defense. I need to give no defense. I'm rescuing people. I'm not going to give any defense. Somebody said, defend yourself, they want to argue about healing because we pull people out broken. Now we're getting them healed, they want to argue. Jesus doesn't heal today, he actually does. He heals today. Come here, let me smack you and then I'll pray for your healing. (laughs) No, Jesus heals today. He still heals today, he delivers today. Somebody said he doesn't, he does. How many on this field have been delivered from drugs or alcohol or something of the like? Wave your hand at me. The Lord delivered you from some addiction. Come on, wave your hand at me. So he still delivers? Now, why am I saying this? Because there are going to be people who want to argue with you. On the platform, when when I read that, I thought, Oh boy, is that true? Got five bishops who want to come see me. Sorry, we're too busy rescuing people. And then here's the crazy thing, when people are drowning, there's even people that want to look at the people and say, no, don't save that one, save this one over here. We we don't want that one in our church, let's get this one in our church. Because that was the thing in the early days of the river when we started the bus ministry, that we'd have people come to the church and they were upset because we had people coming from the inner city, we had people coming from everywhere, And so they were like, you know, they felt that this was beneath them to come and sit with people that come from different classes and whatever. And they said to me, "Um, How long are you going to bring those people? Are you still going to bring those people to your church? I was so insulted. I said, Those people are my people. I said, You are not welcome. Take your Porsche and your stinking attitude, and hit the I-4. Can you believe that? At your thought that I would agree with them, that I would, you you know, I know it's difficult bringing those people. He thought I was so insulted. It was like you punched me in my solar plexus. I said, you've now insulted me and my whole church. I said, these are my people. Now, don't come back here again. Go join some Klan church in Polk County. How terrible. So now you get to pick the ones that you rescue. You get to pick the ones that you rescue. Well, no, well, let's not rescue them. We are to rescue Everyone. when Jesus shed his blood he shed it for everybody he didn't say now this blood is only for these people for everybody the good news is for everybody somebody said will everybody get it I don't know, but I'm going to sure give it the best shot I have. Amen. I'm going to shout it out Whoa. from every mountaintop that I can until the whole world knows, which is hard because we don't have mountains in the state of Florida. <laughs> A person that is drowning... It's not worried about what the fabric of the life preserver is made out of. They're not worried about the rope that is being, excuse me, that rope, is that rope made in America or is it made in China? <laughs> if that is not an American made rope, please, just, I'll, I'll drown you happily. <laughs> I want you to think back In your life, just for a second, think back to the crisis in your life. Think back to the moment before the Lord saved you, where you were. Think back of how bad it was. Just for a second. Don't go into a fetal position and start crying. I mean, we'll get you delivered. Just think back. And I'm saying that so you can start to rejoice about how the Lord delivered you from that captivity, from that bondage, as you were about to sink beneath the wave for the last time, but somebody from the river church came and said, no, you don't have to drown. Come here, I'm pulling you out. So that's what's mobilized me all these years. We were just talking about it, you know, because when you cross another year, it's another milestone. And we were just chanting about them. I'm watching her preach at the age of 39. I said, Hell. how? Did, how did all these years go by? And then I thought of the time left, if God graces me another 30 years, you know, what can we do? What, how do we wisely use our time to reach to the maximum uh, uh, potential, the harvest and to see whole nations shaken by the power of God. And the Lord has shown us more effective ways. We're sitting on 45 million decisions. We're going to hit that 100 million. I believe we're going to hit it in the next three years. When we're going to hit the 100 million souls. Somebody said, and then what? We'll go to 500 million. Let me tell you right now, we're going to see a whole nation shaken by the hand of God. But you have to see it. You have to see it. You can't see it through the limitations of the flesh. You can't. You can't see it through your own limitations of your own flesh. Somebody said, Pastor, I don't know how the Lord would Would even use me trust me he'll use you he'll use you somebody said I've got a couple of things that need to get fixed he'll use you while he's fixing you hello somebody well let me go get fixed first no just come as you are and you'll be fixed as you're going too many people are drowning too many people are losing their lives we don't need you to go get fixed somewhere and you might never get back We find you 10 years later. How are you doing? I'm getting fixed. (laughs) I could have added onto that message, not only what do you see, what do you hear? Because you can hear the cries of the lost. right. Right now, The Lord said to me, this meeting sweeping through Africa will be the greatest harvest of souls we've ever seen in a six-week period of time that's going to take place in some of the major cities of that great continent. I can feel it already. I can feel it. I can feel it on the inside. I can feel it. It's the same thing I felt in 2001. It's the same thing I felt in 2002. I just didn't have the mechanism to do it. But we do now. We do now. We do now. We do now. We didn't stop though. We kept going. We kept pulling people out of the waters, even if it was just two or three or five or ten or 15, or 20, on one of the clips, I think it was 2002, the altar was packed at the river here. And I said, the day will come when thousands of people are going to be saved during the week outside of the church, outside of the church, independently from this altar. (laughs) It's happening. It's taking place. What was the harvest this last week? 2,000? 2,650. 2,650 were saved this last week outside of the altars that were taking place here. It's happening. I said, it's happening. But I was speaking it back then. And now we're seeing the reality of it. So let me prophesy over you here about what's coming. For the enemy thinks that he's won. But the Lord would have you know he hasn't. Amen. For God's not done yet. And the cry that's in the heart of many of you over nations, over regions shall surely come to pass for i am preparing you save the lord even now as you are being used by me in your daily life to rescue even a few here and a few there but it shall begin to pick up momentum and you shall begin to see it begin to multiply. And that which starts small, even on a small basis shall multiply to where it shall be thousands and then tens of thousands and then hundreds of thousands and then whole cities will be shaken by the hand of God. For the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. You are his hands and feet and his mouthpiece. You have heard his cry, River Church. And you have responded. And so you'll see it take place. Whole countries will be shaken by the hand of the Lord. Whole nations shall be shaken by the hand of God. You shall not worry about your future. You shall not worry about your safety. You shall not worry about provision. As you place your focus on the harvest, as you keep your focus on the harvest, as you keep looking at the harvest, as you keep your eyes on Jesus, as you keep speaking, The vision, all of the provision needed shall come in regardless of what that might be. Vehicles for transportation, planes, trains, automobiles, whatever that might be, boats, ships, it doesn't matter. Property, accommodations, all shall be furnished. For when the blood was shed for the harvest of souls, the blood was shed for all the provision to go and reap the harvest. Only do what the Spirit of God tells you to do. Don't be forced into something that the Lord has not called you and don't jump Prematurely wait upon the Spirit of God, and He shall lead you. You shall learn, and you shall become more and more proficient. And creativity shall be your portion. And the Lord shall give you more creative ways of bringing in the harvest, and you shall rejoice and be glad. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to say there's many have been the methods, and even though we train people here in the summer school of evangelism, anything from one-on-one evangelism all the way to mass crusade, outreaches, yet all of these mechanisms by which we operate, nothing is etched in stone. You have to be so sensitive to the Spirit of God to do what the Lord tells you to do and how He is sending you and be obedient to obey Him and you will see great shall be the harvest even in the schools, even in the university campuses, in retirement homes, assisted living homes, in the prisons, military bases, Somebody said, I just need the Lord to tell me that I am saved one more time. Look, um, come in the altar. We'll do our best. But (laughs) I mean, how many times do you need to be told? You've actually been rescued. You actually are rescued. Is this helping anybody here?? Yeah. You're not alone. you're not doing this by yourself. We all together in the bringing in of this harvest. We just work in different fields. They're getting ready to head back to Australia. Pastor Christine said to me, I've got to get in a long boat with him, a metal boat about four foot wide and I've got to traverse shark infested waters with my husband as he's leading me up into villages in the northern part of Papua New Guinea or Indonesia, only God knows where he's taking you. But she said, I'm willing and I'm ready to go. But she said, it's, you know, when you've got ocean ahead of you as far as your eye can see and you have to trust a man, which he has for many years, but you have to trust him because he is the village calling him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No air conditioning, no flushing toilets, nothing to plug anything in. Every kind of infectious snake, poisonous snake, poisonous spider. My grandson's trying to get on television. <laughs> Take it easy, Jetty. I mean, she has to lay her life on the altar. I'm going to get on the... On a long boat with him. I've seen the boat that he gets on. I wouldn't get on the boat myself. <laughs> <laughs> and you sit in the boat, and the whole sides cracked. What's that long boat cost? We're going to buy you one of those boats, a nice one that you can take your wife. Yeah, so she doesn't have to tread water. Amen. Praise God. I mean, when you are in your 60s and your husband's putting you through some excursions that young people in their 20s wouldn't even want to go into. Because he's crazy. He literally is crazy. He runs into the jungle after a wild boar with a knife, jumps on the boar and stabs the thing. He's he's the real crocodile Dundee. The other one was a phony. Now somebody said, well, what, what is it that causes you to go at that age? You've seen the hurting, you've heard the cry of the lost. Are you with me? That's why I want to tell all of you that thought you were comfortably retired. Somebody said, I'm comfortably retired. Oh, really? Oh, really? I've got news for you. You're going to get comfortably comfortably fired by the Holy Ghost. He told me, he said, I was in a village they had never seen a white man. He was in a village in a remote part of Papua New Guinea where they had never seen another white person. I said, well, be careful. If you're going into any villages where there's cannibals, carry a few fat people with you. (laughs) So if there's any river member who can't lose the weight, and you want to sacrifice your life for the cause of the gospel? (laughs) It's a joke. It's just a joke. Say this often to me, what do I see? That's why I can't go to any amusement park because after 10 minutes inside I get irritated because I don't see the rides. I don't see any of that stuff. I see lost people going nowhere. My wife says, you come over here. We take the kids or grandbabies. We should have fun time. I said, I can't. I can't. I can't. Look at those people. Look at them. They're lining up there like sheep to a slaughter. They're going on a road to nowhere. They don't realize they're actually on a roller coaster to hell. Yeah. That's why I can't, I can't do that. There's certain places I can't go. That's the same reason why I can't go to the Grand Canyon. Because every idiot tries to get close to the edge. And I can't even, I can't even rest. I can't even, I go, get away from there. Don't step out there. Step back. Don't take that selfie. And then I see river people going there, getting out on the furthest ledge. If you ever (laughs) plunge, and we lose you over some nonsense, there will be a post-mortem public rebuke from me. (laughs) All because of a picture. So I can't, I, I told my wife, I have to get out of here, I can't. Look at that kid, the kid's stepping two feet down, there's a thousand foot cliff, two feet away. He's beyond the ropes. You, boy, get out! I mean, you know, then I just said, I have to get off here. I have to leave. I've got to leave the canyon. I can't be here. It's like a nightmare. I think 30 people a year die. Because, you know, when they breathe out the last breath, they either lost forever. Do you understand what I'm saying? What do you see? Now let me tell you what I see, and I'm going to close with this. What I see when I'm looking out over here. How many want to know what I see? I see an army. I see an army! Of men and women of every tribe and tongue. Saved, full of the Holy Ghost, full of the fire of God. That all they do while they are doing their life is bring in the harvest. And on that day, Jesus will not look at you and go, well, he'll look at you and go, well done. Amen. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Everybody say the harvest. Everybody the the say nations. Nations. And you're all a part. Every one of you is a part of this. Let me say one more thing and then I'll close. When I was going back through the archives I saw people sitting like you and now when I see where they are now then I realised what the full potential of what's here. It's huge. It's huge. I was watching the baby dedications from 22 years ago. Some of those have graduated already. I see an army, you're all part of that army. God's got an army marching through the land. Deliverance is the song, healing in their hands and everlasting joy and gladness in their heart. And in that army, I have a part. Praise God. I want you to close your eyes right now. For the benefit of you that are watching by way of television, as you've tuned in to the main event, Sunday morning live at the river, there's several things we're going to do here. I'm going to give a call first, and then we'll give you an opportunity to worship the Lord with your tithes and offerings, and then we'll go into communion. But while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you came here today and you felt like, I've been beneath the waves. The storm has got me. In actual fact, you say, Pastor, I feel if the wave hits me one more time, I will never be able to surface. Were you watching in your home by way of television? I want to ask you a question. What would happen if today was your last day on the earth? If you went home tonight, put your head on your pillow and fell asleep, where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And you don't have to go to devil's hell because 2000 years ago on Calvary's cross, the price was paid, the blood was shed. And just like that old song said, there is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged. Beneath that flood lose all their guilty stain. Today, the power of sin will be broken. The power of guilt and shame will be removed from your life. You might have come here one way, but you'll leave another way. Today, the Lord calls you. He says, come. Maybe you're here today. You say, Pastor, I gave my life to the Lord in days gone by, but I've grown cold. I'm not serving God like I should. I've allowed the things of the world to come in. I've lost that first love, that peace, that joy that I once had, but I want that restored to me. If that's you, this calls for you today. Maybe it's something hidden that no one can see. Pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, lust, the hidden things that clog the heart of man. Maybe it's something outward that everyone can see which makes it even worse. And the devil uses it against you to keep in a place of guilt and condemnation. But today you say, I'm coming back. God's a God of a second chance. He's a God of a new beginning. And he says, come, come unto me, all you that labor and have a laden, and I'm gonna give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come, he calls you. Maybe a storm came against your life, a sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that rocked your world. But the master calls you today. He says, come. And then lastly, and this is all as a result of people being caught up in religion. You say, Pastor, I do love the Lord, but I'm not sure of my salvation. I'd like to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm saved today. If this is you and you fit into any one of these categories and you that are watching in your homes, I want you quickly right where you are, put your hand up right now and say, pray for me. Thank you. God bless 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 you. All the way to the back. Step it up high. Another hand. Another hand. Another hand. Yes, 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 yes. I want every person with your hand in the air to stand right now, stand right where you are. Now there's others that the Lord is speaking to, and you didn't raise your hand, but you feel your heart is pounding away right now, and you hear God saying, come. I want you to stand with them. I want you to stand with them right now, quickly. God is speaking to you right now. Stand, 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 stand. Stand to your feet, stand to your feet, stand to your feet. Stand up on your feet, stand up on your feet, stand up on your feet feet right now. God is speaking to you. I want you to come from where you are and come stand right here. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Today's a day of freedom, Come. to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Jesus. Just come right in. Turning back. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind, the me. Me, the world behind me. The me. The cross before me. The world behind me. me. cross before me, the The world behind me, me. No no turning back, no turning back. You can take the whole world. give me Jesus. Jesus. You can take the whole world, world. but give me Jesus. Jesus. You can take the whole world, world. but give me Jesus. Turning, no back. turning back. No turning back. No turning back. Now, the day shall come, listen to me carefully, when we're going to see three, four hundred, five hundred saved a Sunday, year. In the altar call, the day shall come. You'll see it. You'll see it (laughs) happen. Apart from the harvest that's coming in on the outside, you'll see it take place. Because there's some things that are going to accelerate here. What was interesting to me, and somebody said, well, how come it, it didn't happen that way? But 2002 and three, we were at two services Sunday morning, and I said that the, the, the first service was almost as full as the second service, and the altar call was just slightly at the second service more than the first service. It's because they, we were traveling to so many cities and there was a bunch of people here that were canceling all of what we were doing with the outreaches. So everything, while we were out flat out on the road, everything back here was being scuttled by the enemy. So that's why we didn't see that take place. Are you with me? I would look at Pastor Eric and just shake my head. I go, what in the world's happening? But you have to be careful when you have people come in different areas of leadership and they don't speak the same thing and everybody's got their own opinion. Are you with me? And there were even people running around those days saying, well, Pastor Rodney says this, but I say this. You can't, you can't have that because that creates dissension. Are you with me? Or it causes people to, to disengage. We all speak the same thing. We all speak the same vision. We're all going after the harvest of souls. And even you that have come here today, God's going to use you to touch many people's lives. That's the whole purpose of you coming down. It's not just that you're going to be forever answering an altar call. Is that God's going to use you Like he's used many of those people out there to be the harvesters, to bring in the harvest of souls. The same with you that are watching in your homes. So I want everybody right now to close your eyes, raise your right hand to heaven. That's where your help comes from. You in your home, pray this. You over here, pray this out loud. Say this out loud. Say, Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess With my mouth, mouth. Jesus Jesus. is my Lord and my my Savior. And And I believe in my heart heart. that God has raised you from the dead. I will be saved. saved. So, Father, right now, now. I confess confess. Jesus Jesus. is my Lord and my my Savior. Savior. Come Come into my heart right now. Take out the stony heart. put in a heart of flesh, flesh. wash me, me. cleanse me, me. change me, me. fill me, me. use me. Let me never be the same again. again. I turn my back on the world, world. and I turn my back on sin, and I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank Thank you for shedding your blood for me. And thank you that on the third day you rose for me. And thank you that you're coming back again for me. From this day on, I'll never be the same again. I confess, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He is my Lord and my Savior. And right now, by faith, in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I'm saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving me now. Now, just lift both hands. Let me pray over you, Father. I pray that you would seal them now by your blood and by your spirit that on that day, not one will be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them, use them to impact this generation. I break every bondage, every addiction, every blockage, every hindrance. I break it now off of your life, and I set you free in Jesus' Jesus. name. Amen. 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 As a servant of the Most High God, by the power of the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the Word of God, and by the awesome power of the Holy Spirit, I tell every single one of you right now, your sins are forgiven you right now. Now, from this moment, your job is to rescue as many people that were in the same condition as you were. Say, I'll take the job. This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Doctors Rodney and Adonica Howard-Brown or for additional resources, visit revival.com.